Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Back with you after the holidays, you are Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, it is nice to be back on the pod. I hope you are uh, glad to have it back. Nice holiday break. Had a chance to spend some time with the family and get away from uh, from all of this for just a little bit, a couple days anyway. Uh, but back with you here, and thank you for being patient uh, through the uh, the layoff. Uh, I am Peter Edmiston, of course, uh, back with you again. You can follow me on Twitter, at Peter Edmiston. You can email me, Peter, at PeterEdmiston.com, as uh, some of you have, and uh, we'll get to some of those letters over the next day or two. Big pod coming up. We're going to recap uh, a couple of the... I'm not going to go all the way back to the Houston game, but we'll recap what happened uh, after Christmas, the game in Orlando. A few thoughts on that uh, debacle. And then a much more spirited game, but ultimately the exact same result in Boston. A 3Q preview of tonight's matchup against the Oklahoma City Thunder down at FedEx Forum. And we start, though, where we have started so many pods before with injury news. Injury news. Injury news. Thousands of dollars spent on the production of this podcast, worth every penny. Unfortunately, we have to use the injury news sounder for Mike Conley, who is suffering from what is termed a left big toe injury. Now, as per usual, this is somewhat vague, and so this could encompass a number of different things. And if you, I went and kind of looked at the history of this injury, as uh, you sort of have to do when it comes to grizzly injuries, because you know the information that we've been getting of late has been sometimes a little bit uh, on the later side. And sometimes, you know, it's been good, but not great. Uh, sometimes it's very good. You just never know. It's a little bit inconsistent. Let me go back to the the situation with the transverse fractures that that uh, or transverse process fractures that Mike Conley suffered in his back a few weeks back. And when he, you know, the injury was given, it was it was thought that he was going to be out for six weeks. That was the you know, at least four weeks, um, and then six weeks or, or maybe even more. That was the information that, that was given. But, you know, if you listen to this pod, you, you heard that the, we kind of talked about it. And I, I went back and looked and the the general history of that injury was not anywhere close to that number, but much more like, you know, two and a half weeks. And that's exactly how long Mike Conley ended up being out for two and a half weeks. Um, so the information can be a little spotty. In this case, it really does depend so much on what happens uh, and what the actual diagnosis is, because. You know, this is an injury that recently, if you look at the Utah Jazz, George Hill is still suffering from a big toe injury that has kept him out uh, as of this count for almost a month. He's been out since the beginning of December with a big toe injury. And so we're, we're up well past the four week mark on, on that particular injury. And he's making progress, but he's still not back as of yet. And the Jazz, you know, are, are doing okay without him, but they need him. They don't need him as much as the Grizzlies need Mike Conley, though. 
Um, so if it's anything like that, then you're talking about some trouble. Now, you know, there are other big toe injuries that have happened over the last few years where guys have missed, you know, a game or two or three, you know, a relatively short amount of time. If it's a grade one uh, sprain, this is what's called turf toe, even though it's not technically, you know, doesn't involve turf. It's one of those things that that guys who played on artificial turf back, especially that old artificial turf that was basically ratty ass carpet that was put over concrete. Guys would get toe injuries based on that. Well, you know, they it became known as turf toe, but it's the same. It's just a sprain. Um, but if it, but there are grades to that sprain, just like there are grades to, to any other sprain. And if it's a grade one, then it's you know maybe a game or two, not too much discomfort, no big deal. If it starts to be a grade two, uh, then you look at longer. Drew Holiday, I think, had kind of a borderline grade one, grade two that he's dealt with in the last few weeks as well that that has hampered him. Even when he returned, he wasn't himself. And you could certainly argue that Mike Conley hasn't really been himself you know, since he came back from the, the back injury either, but that's a separate discussion. Uh, Holiday had, had kind of a borderline grade one, grade two. Once you get past grade one, then you get into grade two, grade three. That's when you talk about you know much more of a two-week, three-week, or, or, or even more type injury. The point of it is we don't know about Mike Conley. Now, what we do know is that the Grizzlies have recalled Wade Baldwin from Iowa. Now, they have not necessarily recalled Wade Baldwin because he is <coughs> fantastic. They haven't recalled Wade Baldwin because he's you know, setting the world on fire down in Iowa. In fact, uh, you know, the energy have been bad. Uh, they've lost 9 of 10. And Baldwin, in his six games with the energy, averaged just over 15 points. Um, the shot, by from what I have seen, and, uh, and I watched a fair few of his possessions down there, uh, the shot does not look like it's uh, significantly changed. You know, his, his drives to the basket were, were good, mostly to his left. Uh, that's where he. That's what he did down there, and you know he was able to to draw a lot of fouls and get a lot of points at the foul line. But in terms of the the jump shots, pull up jumper off the drive or the spot up jumper, it just just wasn't wasn't there. So it's not as if he's being called up because he's he's dramatically improved or changed. It's just that you know you can imply and you can or rather you can infer that if he's being called up, then the Grizzlies are going to need some help at the point guard position, which means that Mike Conley's probably going to miss a little bit of time. Um, maybe not all that much. Certainly, hopefully, not all that much. Because I mean, come on, man. How, how much of this can 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 the Grizzlies take? But probably at least a, a little bit of time. Um, and that means that Andrew Harrison is going to have to take over. Uh, and yet again, he played 44 minutes in the loss uh, at Boston. And you know, in in the absence of Mike Conley, it is just a bad, bad situation. And that's why I talk about the Grizzlies really not being able to afford to not have. Conley it's not so much that I mean Conley is having you know when he was healthy and playing he was playing at a very high level playing at a very high level his highest level that we've seen Um, and so for him not to be able to go is is a is a blow but it's a blow especially because there's just nothing behind him I talked about it earlier in the year and I, I think when you have Andrew Harrison and Wade Baldwin together it's the worst point guard pairing in the league and it you know maybe the worst ever and in the, the numbers will will back that up i mean it, it is it is certainly the worst shooting point guard tandem in in recent memory and i i say that because andrew harrison as of this morning 
per synergy is the worst spot up shooter in the league for any anybody that's played um, in at least 20 games and has had at least 50 possessions so that that's about 200 and some odd players he is the worst I think it's 201 so he's 201st um, and he's the worst by like a, a big margin like he's about 20 percent worse than the second worst spot up shooter who is Justice Winslow, and, and I th- I'm not even sure Winslow qualifies for, for 20 games. I think he's only played in 18, um, but I have to go back and double-check. But but Winslow technically is second worse, and, and Harrison is significantly worse on a per-possession basis than even him. I went back and looked, and his percentage that he's shooting in spot-up situations is the worst that... that I th- I've seen in synergies records at least for ten years. Uh, he's shooting nineteen percent, guys, nineteen percent from spot up situations. And you know he that's kind of that's kind of one of the things he likes to do. Nineteen percent from spot up situations is unbelievably bad. Is unbelievably bad. And in fact, if you take it out to just all jump shots, not even just spot-up shots, but anything that's a jump shot, his percentage is 22.6% on all jump shots, which is, again, the lowest in the league for anybody with at least 50 possessions. Uh, if you up it to 100 possessions, incidentally, he's he's actually uh, the worst, and you know there aren't that there that that limits it a little bit to guys that have that have played a reasonable amount of time uh with that that have gotten uh, over 100 jump shot attempts out there you know there there are a lot of you know pretty high level players who haven't gotten that many jump shot attempts uh off but he happens to be one of them so if you throw if you make the number 100 interestingly enough the two worst jump shooters in the league per percentage um that meet that qualification are Andrew Harrison, who's the worst by far. Second worst is Zach Randolph. Randolph shooting just 31% overall on all jump shots, uh, which is a surprise to me considering the what, what he's done, but it just shows how much of you know his ability comes via the post, via the, the work inside that he's done. You know, Zach has struggled with his game since his mom uh, has passed, and, and you know he's, it's not been easy for Zach coming back, and I think you see the effects that that's had on his game overall. Now, here's the the, the worst part, though, from from Andrew Harrison's perspective, is that jump shots comprise sixty four percent of what he does in terms of shot attempts in the half court setting. 64% of the time, he is taking a jump shot. 33% of the time, his shots are around the basket where he does draw fouls. That, that does happen. Um, and that's pretty much it. The, there's a few other little things that will happen, but you know, that's the vast majority of, of what he does. So he, it's almost two-thirds of his offense comes via the jump shot, and he's horrendous at them. You know, This is a real it's, – it's a problem, I think, that doesn't even get really talked about as much from the Grizzlies because there are other things that are going on and people just sort of, you know, look at Andrew Harrison and, 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 you know, maybe people blame other things or whatever. But when you have a guy that is that bad offensively, I mean, he, he makes Tony Allen look like Steph Curry. 
you you have to work around that to such a degree that it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Um, and I, I don't I don't know I don't know what you can do to improve. Uh, it's so far gone that I don't know that that you can improve the situation. And you know, whatever he can give you defensively, and there's some debate about you know what he can do defensively. You would have to be, you know, two Tony Allens to make up for being that incredibly bad on offense. And he's not two Tony Allens. I mean, I'm I'm not sure he's all that great defensively, at least overall. But, you know, he's certainly better defensively than he is offensively. I mean, my goodness. So that's what the Grizzlies are dealing with right now with no Mike Conley. You have Andrew Harrison or you have Wade Baldwin, both of whom are just awful offensive players um it does make you know tony allen the thing that tony allen is at least you know his jump shooting is better yeah you know, all of his shooting is better than andrew harrison's and he's got a few things that he does really well off the off off putbacks cuts to the basket you know in in the ability to find and to use his power to get inside and to finish is is, is vastly improved uh, he's he's actually finishing at the basket better this year than in years past, although you always have those little, those little fun Tony Allen shots that are that are insane, but he's actually doing a lot better than he than he used to. He's he's much much better. So if you play him at point guard, I mean, you know, he's not going to be able to run your offense in quite the same way. But at least he's not just going to absolutely crush you out there. But if you play Andrew Harrison and Tony Allen together, whoo, whoo, that's crazy. I don't know what you do spacing-wise. You don't have any. Zero. So once again, I think all of you just have to sort of pray. Cross your fingers. Light your torches. Uh, drink your potions. Do whatever it is that you do to get luck and healing and et cetera, whatever, to Mike Conley. Uh, because short of the Grizzlies making a trade, I, I, I just see their point guard situation getting worse and worse and worse rather than better. Where is Tony Douglas? What David Fisdale would give for a Tony Douglas right now? All he can do is hope. Mike Conley is back. I, I hope there's been no official word for tonight's game, at least as of this taping. So uh, I hope he is back and can play. It doesn't look to me like that will be the case, but I, I hope I'm wrong because otherwise it's going to be a long night at the office against Russell Westbrook. All right, so let's kind of just for a brief little bit, let's not go too crazy on this thing, but let's uh, delve into a couple of those games uh, over the last few days. The one in Orlando, December 26th, the, the this is the sixth straight loss for the Grizzlies on December 26th. They have the NBA's worst record on December 26th. You know, whatever family, see, I think this is where the family thing works against the Grizzlies. It's a, it's a really tight-knit group. It's a group of guys that enjoys each other. They enjoy each other's families. Uh, everyone has a good time. I think everyone has too much fun. You, you just have too much eggnog, too much uh, family fun time, open up presents, enjoying all that good stuff, and then you have to get back to work, and it just sucks, right? It's it's hard. Listen, it's hard. It's hard for anybody to get back to work, uh, especially the day after Christmas. You, you like to at least take a little extra time. These dudes are clearly not ready. Yeah, maybe you know Mike Conley has has long petitioned for the Grizzlies to play on Christmas Day. It can it, it's got it's got to it's got to be better than playing the day after. 
the effort level in Orlando was pitiful, just pitiful. And it was the starters. I mean, you know, that's that, that's who set the tone. You know, Mark and Mike and Tony and the whole the whole crew. I mean, they they were they just did not show up. You know, the the Grizzlies gave up. I, I threw the video up on my Twitter feed. The Grizzlies gave up a two on one fast break on like just an innocuous uh, under the basket inbounds play under Orlando's basket. You know, they were under their own basket and just everyone fell asleep. And all of a sudden they break out into a two on one, you know, fast break from nothing. It's hard to do that unless you're just not dialed in. The Grizzlies, you know, we're not and, and Grizzly fans have seen these games. That's the frustrating thing. It seems like no matter who the coach is or what the situation is, there's always a few of these every year where the Grizzlies just do not show. And it's especially obvious because so much of what the Grizzlies do is predicated on them really maxing out their effort. So when it's not there, it is like blatantly obvious. And you could see it, you know, right from the beginning of the game, right from that first quarter on. It did not take long, and you just kind of knew, okay, if you're a Grizzly fan, you're going to turn, turn it. Yep, you're going to watch something else. Uh, this is not going to go well. And the you know, final score was no indication of what, what the game was really like. Uh, the game in Boston was, was, a, was a different affair and was a much more feisty, much more spirited encounter, not without its problems. Uh, certainly defensively, especially not without its problems, but at least the effort level was much better. You saw a more aggressive Marcus Saul, who, for whatever reason, and this this kind of goes back to the discussion that we had last week on the show about you know Mark and Mike, and you know when Mike came back, you know the Grizzlies. It 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 doesn't help Mike Conley's All Star case, and I think it's not his fault. But it doesn't help his all-star case when they go, you know, seven and two without him, and he comes back, and they, you know, lose badly right out of the gate, and then, you know, he 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 doesn't play, and, and Marcus Saul plays, you know, one of his better, more aggressive games, um, you know, that that stuff just doesn't help the situation, and I don't think that's none of that is Mike Conley's fault because I think Mike Mike was was playing at a really really high level. I do think that some of the aggressiveness that Marcus Saul shows is really in part because so much of the stuff runs through him when Mike's not there. And it allows him to orchestrate in a much more obvious and much more primary way. That seems to suit him better at this point. It seems to suit the Grizzlies better as well right now. And then maybe that's just because, you know, Mike, when Mike's not, and, and, you know, this, you can, you can come back and, and use Mike much more off the ball. I think that that's, that's an opportunity, but, yeah, I think at this stage, it's better, and the Grizzlies seem to run better away from that two-man pick-and-roll stuff from between Mike and Mark, and much more of you know Marcus all kind of you know running the show at the elbow or running the show in some kind of a post situation where he's able to kind of survey the court with his height and the passing ability, and the Grizzlies can move and cut off of him. That would even even when Mike Mike comes back, that would probably still be the thing. I just think finding that coexistence is is no matter how it happens, finding that has been harder since Mike Conley came back initially, and now he's out again. That's going to be the tricky part. Um, then I guess you know Chandler Parsons, seeing him in action over the last few games, and of course he was rested in the game against Boston. It just shows uh, he he's got. A long, 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 long way to go. 
And when he's out there, man, it it just slows everything down. He looks several steps behind everybody else. It's to be expected considering how long he's been out. But the idea of working him back in is you kind of thought it would be a little smoother than this. It is taking an awfully long time to, to work him back in. A lot of guys getting work back in. But James Ennis, for example, you know, he, he his injury wasn't as severe and he wasn't as out for as long, but he slides back in a lot more comfortably than than Chandler Parsons does. The playmaking ability, the he just he doesn't have the the wind even to go up and down the court uh, for, for long stretches of time. It's just not there for him. It's tough. It is tough to watch. And he was rested in the the Boston game. I presume he will play tonight in some form. You know, trying to, to get him back into the mix. And I say get him back. I mean, I don't know that the Grizzly fans have ever seen. You know, he never, he got the run, what, six or seven games, and then he got hurt again with that bone bruise. And so, you know, I don't know what kind of run he's really had. Yeah, I mean, certainly I wouldn't think that you've seen anywhere close to you know, what he can do for, for the team. I would hope not. Um, but who knows if it takes him six or seven games, you know, will he get hurt again? That is the question. But uh, for right now, at least, you know, there's just there's just not much of a book on Chandler Parsons, except that when he's out there, it, it, it makes the Grizzlies uh, slower and in general worse. And so far, you know, he's really he's only had according to Synergy's numbers, you know, he's only had 16 pick and roll possessions. You know, as the ball handler which you would expect that that he would have, you know, much more than that. Once he can start that that really is a sign of his secondary playmaking ability. You know, once that's able to kick up a little bit then his um you know, then then his value will will rise up, but you know, as of right now he's uh 7 of 34. On, on jump shots, seven of thirty-four on on jump shots. He's just not he's not able to get anything going. And and you notice that the lift is not there on the jumper. Uh, it's flat. It just it's not it's not there. So we'll we'll see. He's he's got he's got to just keep playing. And um, you know that, that you don't really have another choice. I mean you can you can rest him from time to time as the Grizzlies did. Against Boston, you're going to have to do that just as he continues to come back. But but he needs to play and get those minutes. It's a bit like the discussion about Mike Conley, and you know a lot of you felt like Mike Conley should sit down anyway because of the way that he had been playing, you know, since his return. And you see kind of what happens when he does sit down. There's just not much. If, if there was a better alternative, then then I, I would be more in favor of that. With Parsons, there is a better alternative, or at least there are alternatives that are credible that are out there. And so you know him sitting makes some sense he's still though you know there's not going to be any substitution for him being able to get out there and play with his team play with his guys play and develop that chemistry on the court Um, but that in the process of doing it is going to be uh, a little painful I would imagine and so far it it certainly has been painful for the Grizzlies Yes, sir. Three Q preview time. Big thanks to our friends at Audio Nautics, too, by the way, for providing music for this bit. I appreciate that very much. Um, this is going to be a fascinating game for a lot of reasons tonight down at FedEx Forum. Question number one 
what will the point guard rotation look like for the Grizzlies? We've talked a lot about it in this in this pod, but you know, what will we see? What will it actually be like? Will uh, Mike Conley be able to go? And if he doesn't, will we see a vast majority of Andrew Harrison minutes with a little sprinkling of Wade Baldwin? That's be probably the favorite. Uh, will we see uh, a lot of Tony Allen minutes there? I mean, at this point, as much as people chuckled at Tony Allen playing point guard when it was discussed at training camp, I would happily take Tony Allen playing point guard over Andrew Harrison just to see, just to see the way that it goes. Um, I, I just think, or, or, or have some kind of rotating situation where you have just some guys out there that can that can handle it in, a, in a number of different ways. I don't know. I just don't think you have to be locked into Harrison or Baldwin all the time. You're going to have one or one of them out there most of the time. But if Mike Conley can't play, I think you got to get creative. Question number two, what will we see from Russell Westbrook in a season that is just incredible? And I, I think that you got to give the guy credit. Whether you like the guy or more likely you don't like the guy, the, what he has done, man, he, he's called a shot. Everyone knew that this was going to be his revenge type year or his year when he you know, sets sail by himself leading the Thunder without Kevin Durant. I mean, people, you know, whether the motivation is that he's out of KD's shadow or whether it's just that it's what you have to do when you look at the rest of that roster. Whatever it is, he's doing it. He's doing it in an unbelievable level. His usage rates are crazy, and yet he is still productive. How he can continue to do this expenditure of energy, I do not know. How he can roll triple-double after triple-double, I do not know. But he keeps doing it, and it's incredible to watch. And He has single-handedly taken that Thunder team and made them much closer to elite than I would have thought. It's, It's been an incredible year, and so... While I don't necessarily spend tons of time worried about the opposition, if I'm like a Grizzly fan, in this case, you know, you, you gotta you gotta say, you know, he he has a chance to go through an entire year averaging a triple double, and in this day and age, that is extraordinary given the minutes that he would play. Um, you know, compare those to what Oscar Robertson played. Oscar Robertson played, you know, they were always playing 40 plus minutes at a incredibly different pace, many more possessions in, in those days. Yeah, the, the game was totally different now. The, what Doing it in this era is, man, it would be an, an unbelievable achievement. The fact that he is still there at this stage of the season is an unbelievable achievement in and of itself. I don't know if they can keep it up, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch, even if it happens to be against your team. And finally, the third question of the 3Q preview. Uh, When does Chandler Parsons start to look halfway decent? Does it start tonight? Now that he's had a game off, now that he's had the opportunity to start to feel his way back into the mix, he's got to start putting it together. I, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I do know that people are starting to get antsy do know that people are starting to be concerned and you know that's part of it is just the injury and how much time he spent away you spend the kind of money that the Grizzlies spent on Parsons I would argue considering what 
the prices are going to be this offseason and in seasons to come based on the, the jump in the cap and the new collective bargaining agreement, which was ratified, by the way, uh, over the last few days. When you take all that into account, um, I think Parsons' deal is not going to be as bad as people think, just same with Mike Conley's deal. But nonetheless, four years, $94 million is a huge expenditure for, for the Grizzlies. And if you're not getting any kind of return on it um, for a big chunk of the season, people start to get antsy. And they are starting to get a little bit antsy with regard to Parsons. It would be nice to knock down a few threes just to just to kind of ease, ease some concerns in this matchup. Uh, I, I think... It's also a big one in general for the Grizzlies uh, to get away from the 3Q for just a second. It's a big one to to kind of get back on track because the last couple ball games, you know, going back now, the Houston game was, you know, great bench, inspiration, great performance, hung on, got a big key win, and have beaten, you know, and the Grizzlies have beaten, you know, the teams all in front of them in the standings, but they've mixed in these games with the last two that we've seen where especially the Orlando game where it just it's just the effort hasn't been there. And so they they really fly from one extreme to the other, making it very difficult as a fan to know what to expect. Um, they, it would be nice to get the Grizzlies back to have a nice, solid, defensive, gritty kind of performance. So you have that baseline of what the Grizzlies can do. And I think that would that would reassure fans uh, going forward. Thank you once again for joining me here on Locked on Grizzlies, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. If you want to shoot me an email about the show or if you want to find out more about advertising on this podcast, please feel free to email me whatever you want. Peter at PeterEdmiston.com. That's Peter at PeterEdmiston.com. Follow me on Twitter at Peter Edmiston. Check me out every morning, 7 to 10. Wolo and Peter in the morning, Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 87.7 FM. Read me in the commercial appeal in the numbers game each and every week. Thanks go out to Audio Nautics as well for help with the music. And, of course, please subscribe and review. I would love it and really appreciate it if you would do that. Until next time, thank you so much. You have been Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily podcast on the Memphis Grizzlies. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network.